Welcome to episode 485 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the desk from me. Taking off my sunglasses. <laughs> I'm looking at the current color of his shirt. I'm not going to lie to you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm a little perplexed. I want to say it's green. But I no, know you don't. I know the nope. path that we've gone down. And it, it I mean it does look a little green to me. It's Russell John the Fisher man. We gotta get him to a doctor. <laughs> what is happening? Are you joking? Is that gray? It's a bit. Is it gray? I thought it was actually your favorite color, like a blue gray. It's blue. It's a little blue. It's not blue, dabba dee dabba die. Okay, can you bring in the producers so they can back me up? Also joining us from Atlanta, Georgia, is Randy Michael Olstad. I'm looking through a video conference screen, but it looks like a very faded, like you washed it many times, black shirt. Okay, it's not that either. But also, I understand. Also, also joining us from behind the curtain is Oksana Valeria Nevada. It's just like a dark gray. <laughs> yeah, gray green. <laughs> I mean, maybe it could be like a, a heather gray, which I think has a little heather bit of gray. blue in it. Heather gray. But I, I don't. Heather Gray today, green tomorrow. It's um Steely Gray. You know? Steely Gray, Steely. Randy's favorite band. <laughs> Twelve Shades of Steely Gray. You know, uh, Steely Dan was named after a dildo. Steely Dan was the name of a dildo in uh, no, it was in Naked Lunch. Yes, it was in Naked Lunch. In Naked Lunch, Cronenberg's film, Burroughs' book, Indeed. Naked Lunch, aka. Crony's movie. <laughs> they call dildos uh, Steely Dan's. I, you know, we'll see you next week. I've never watched the film. You ever touched a <laughs> dildo? I do own a Steely Dan though, so Ooh. I should have read that. the book, which is hard to read. But I finished it. Wait, really? Yeah, I did years ago. But yeah, I finished it, and it. I, I obviously retained nothing because I forgot that information, <laughs> or he just made it up. Rand, did you ever finish Infinite Jest? No, definitely not. I don't think I own it anymore. I'm pretty sure I sold it to a used bookstore. Oh, damn. How many Half price books in Dublin, California. It might still be there. Who knows? I think that's how uh, used bookstores have stayed in business <laughs> from just repeddling Infinite Jest. I sold a. Uh, NPR listeners like yourself. I made. I made, I, I got a lot of money back, surprisingly, from half price books when I sold stuff before I moved. I was yeah, kind of shocked how much money I got for some things. Well, how much did you bring? $12. How much what? How much did you bring and what? Because I know uh, they take made, mixed media. Yeah, I made a couple trips. I think I took a couple records there. Most of them I took to 1234 Go in Oakland. Uh, I took a bunch of film magazines that I had. Uh, and a bunch of books and probably a couple uh, Blu-rays. Magazines are rough. And a signed first edition of To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> <laughs> of all, you know, no joke, Half Price, they do have, you know, locked cabinets with signed. I think I bought a William Gibson book out of one of those. Did he make the guitars? No. That's a shame. No. Um, yeah, I. magazines are so fucking heavy. And said no one ever. No, dude. As a collector who Oh, has, you mean like yeah, as once in they add physical. Up. Yeah. I thought you meant the material. Because no, I'm inside. just imagining Randy with the box. And then, you know, you go to the back counter, because I we've been to that Berkeley one a lot. 
and you leave it there and they're like, all right, I'll get to it. And it, there's like a belabored employee <laughs> who's just like all day, this is what they do. But Randy used to power lift. I, I know. <laughs> He's got it. I remember, and Randy was bragging about how much weight he put on immediately. Yeah, Randy used to be carrot top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, you that, did. I'm not making that up. That's a callback to our episode in two days. <laughs> <laughs> now we're stuck in a reverse loop. Oh, dude, that's perfect. Oh. For, that's perfect for the TBR. Yeah, we should record every episode like this, so we just keep our listeners <laughs> on the ball Even of their more feet. Confusion. Is that what it's called? The ball of your feet? Is that what ninjas do? Do you have a ball on your foot? No, it's like the. The heel and yeah. The, yeah, it's the ball, right? Yeah. Okay. You're I'm glad, we're glad we checked trust, that out. Trust yourself. Also, brother. I Googled uh, Steely Dan and you're wrong. You're lying. No, it's no, it's 100% a fact. Okay, it is. Thank you so much. It's a steam powered dildo, which somehow oh. you forgot to mention that. Yeah, because I didn't read the book. <laughs> <laughs> you just had the trivia question. <laughs> of course. You're, oh my God. That's my existence. It's trivial. We'll see you next week. It says fans of beat generation literature. Uh, yeah. I don't, what does that mean? Steam-powered dildo. Yeah. Very nice. William S. Burrow. No, I mean, what sounds up. more American than a steamed-powered dildo it sounds like achieving it would, manifest destiny? I feel like it would burn you. It doesn't sure. sound fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You've never you've never made a nice hot pot of tea and it's like, <gasps> let me hover this right over my lady parts. Yeah. Oh, you could. <laughs> you could put that little, like, Horse spout. Yeah, everyone loves a well-roasted clip. There you go. Steely Dan. Start calling. Oh, my God. That, that the, the words conjured a smell that I was not, like, yeah, looking for. Do. I'm a visceral comedian. I'm, I'm glad you have this <laughs> candle here. What, what What's the uh, smell going today? The smell today, Randy Michael. <laughs> uh-huh. Cypress gin. Interesting. What Very does that nice. mean? Is that, kind like, a floral album? or what? Yeah. Smell it. Oh. It's, it's nice. very it's very male. It's nice. Yes. It's nice. It's like if you want a manly candle. That's right. <laughs> That's what you're gonna burn. And uh again earlier it did waft uh it had a weird marriage of talky mixed with it as you were munching on those before the recording. That's right. I'd like to uh, uh give give a nice bouquet. <laughs> Although it's not Taki. What is the Trader Joe name of their uh, This week's Snack of the Week. <laughs> Again, this is a returning snack. Uh, one of the all-stars. Rolled corn tortilla chips, chili and lime flavored from Trader Rolled? Joe's. Oh, they went the like nerd route. Instead of coming up with a clever name like Trader Sam or some shit, they just, they're like, no, rolled corn tortilla chips. Wait, what? What do you want Trader Sam? What? No, you, you know how they play like Trader One for their like... I think maybe they stopped that, to be honest. Oh, did they get in trouble? Because they had... Yeah, <laughs> they definitely got in trouble. Um, cause, Holy shit. Because they had Trader Ming. Yeah. They had Trader like Giotto. <laughs> they had Trader, Trader. Trader Jose. And for yesterday, Jan 6, uh, they had Trader Trump, <laughs> which was a, <laughs> a bestseller. But they misspelled traitor. <laughs> they put an A-I-T in there. There you go. Okay. Traitor trap. I had a good segue, and then we could have avoided all this. I don't. What'd you do this last week? Anything noteworthy? Uh, I talked about some sick-ass movies I want to talk about. Well, you did that last week? Yeah. <laughs> then we're talking about this week. I, um, okay. 
I don't know what that means. I'm just convinced you don't listen to me at all whenever we're here, even though we're making eye contact. What do you mean? What'd you say? Nothing. Um, Let's segue. Can we go back to the, uh, there was a time trouble. Recording things out of order. Mm -hmm. It's perfect for this week's. You ready? Mm -hmm. Are you ready? Oh, you're jumping straight to it? Okay. Unless you got something. We have anything to plug? No, it just it just seems a little rushed. <laughs> I know, but I Salmon rushy. I feel the guilt when I didn't we say Randy had to go somewhere today or something? Nope. Randy, you gotta go somewhere? Is that no. next week? Oh nope. okay. Can we talk about next week? Uh we can. Can we cancel it? Nope. Why? We have a guest coming. No, I think I got We've like a- got guests for the lookies. All right, but people That's are- how I'm gonna make my announcement. All right. Well, everybody knows David Lynch is gonna be here. Hello. So. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what his top five are. Number five, Inland Empire. <laughs> Number four, Inland Empire. <laughs> you see the thing? Yeah, I get it. It's just all Inland <laughs> Empire. <laughs> he only watches his own movie. Not movies, one, just the one, one movie. You know, it's really rude that you do that voice when he's like right there. I don't mind it. <laughs> that wasn't him. Just for people listening, that was not him. That was Clark talking out of the side of his mouth. <laughs> Randy, okay, you know what? If we're going to talk up top shit. Randy, when the fuck is your podcast coming back? Uh, I don't know. That's to be determined still. <sighs> is Christian the guest for the Lookies? Are we going to grill him about that? <laughs> oh, like, he, he'd been a good one. Yeah, no, <laughs> cat's out of the bag. It's not Christian. <laughs> I like having him on, though. I like yeah. it because I feel like he's the great bridge between me and Clark to Randy. Like sure. the dumb shit that Randy would never watch if we recommended he, to him. He got he would, Randy <laughs> to see Neil Breen. I don't know if we could have pulled that no, off. No. I don't know. If it was in at Alamo in a theater, I would do it. I wouldn't just like watch a Neil Breen movie by myself at home. No, and you shouldn't. And I, that goes for everybody. Do yeah. not take that journey alone. It's like a psychedelic. Don't do that alone at home. But at some point, everyone would have need to have seen a Breen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's the modern cinema. True. Yeah. Um, okay, so no news on that. Uh, Oksana, you got, any, got anything you need to plug? I do, but it's like a ways off. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Oksana. <laughs> so does that mean you're not going to? or? Well, so the Dreams for Dead Cats have finished the return of the Nacken, and the world premiere is going to be at the Roxy Theater next month. I know. Along with um, other like local weird shorts um they don't have them listed so i don't know how many but it's like a two-hour little film festival they're putting together february 15th i think okay and what's the name of it do you know yeah look that up because i remember seeing that it was going to play at a film fest dimensions film festival yeah but i think it's it's their thing they're just putting it on so local weird film what are the, uh, do we have an over under on if Dave O'Shea will be programmed? <laughs> I mean, you know, he's prolific. They do know each other, but sure. I don't know. I, now, would a Dave O'Shea elevate an event like this or stink it up? Dave O'Shea elevates anything that he's <laughs> Heard it here first. All right. Um, Clark, you got anything? I had diarrhea last night. <laughs> that is true. Did we talk about that? On the last recording? I know we're out of time and space. I think it was before I hit record. 
Okay. Try it. I just didn't drink enough water yesterday. Me and Oksana were very concerned when we were watching a movie at after midnight. And then we heard you running down the stairs. It was like, oh no. My first thought was, oh no, he's mad at me. And then the second thought. Yeah, I thought he was going to come tell us to turn it down. I know. I was like, oh, no. No, I, no I, I am used to the sound levels of this house. Yeah, I, that was my first time. I'm like, oh, no, fuck. And then I was like, you know, it's impossible to turn it down over there. I was trying to scramble. But then you got like water and then ran back up. And I'm like, I have no idea like why you would come down here. Yeah. I guess you wouldn't concern. use it. Yeah, you wouldn't use the tap like in the bathroom. What? No, because I I, I, I I went downstairs to get a liquid IV to further hydrate me during this process of dehydration. Because you're just leaking all over the bed. No, that's not how that works. <laughs> no. Do you have a bucket in there? I'll, I'll, I'll wake up with a terrible abdominal pain uh-huh. and then uh, just wait it out on the toilet. Like fetal position? Like you're like, and it, al- it always goes, it takes three times. What do you mean? Three, three trips to the bathroom? Yeah, or? correct. It's three. It's always three separate movements with about five minutes in between. But if you just sat there for a really long time, stared at your phone. So <laughs> sometimes, yeah, sometimes, but honestly, sometimes it's triggered by movement. Okay. okay. Yeah. It seems to be, um, you know, I, I, this is a common occurrence that has happened my entire life. So <laughs> what I've learned is what I would go is I would do it and then wash my hands, go back to bed. And within five minutes, I'd have to go back up again. So now I've just learned to just walk wait. around a little bit. Oh, okay. Wait and just, uh, yeah, you can, you can time it. What do you do? Do you have a book in there? Or no, you'd be podcast. You'd have well, audible. I was, I feel like I had just come out of REM cycle sleep when oh, this was happening. So I was very, very groggy at one o'clock in the morning. What do you do? Do you turn on the light in the bathroom? Oh, yeah. I don't. Um, it, it was very, very dark. We have a nightlight in ours, so it's yeah. we're cheating. We have a little tiny light. It just it. Uh, I imagine you got a candle going. There. I know that I'll be able to go back to sleep, so it's okay for me to you know be woken up by a light or something. You don't get uh, late night intrusive thoughts, like anxiety doesn't creep in at those wee hours. I have no problem going to sleep. Okay, I hate you for that, by the way. Yeah, I don't anymore. But back in the day, I that was the bane. I would lay there in high school. I'd lay there and think about how I didn't do my homework. And I would always think, well, I could get up and do it right now. And I'm like, that's not enough. But see, those thoughts are always uh, pervasing my brain while I am alive. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. So I feel like I've already wrestled those demons by the time I go to bed. And they're like, you know, because now I'm just, uh, I just love sleep so much. Yeah. Could be a sign of depression. Oh, could be? <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Phil. Yeah, that's what a moonlighting has now. That's true. All right. Uh, uh, me? Do I have anything to plug? I don't know. I have Your an butt. update on the Dimensions film festival. All right. Thank you so Wait, much. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> uh, Dave O'Shea is not a part of the Dimensions. Oh, dude. I wish I had an <laughs> <laughs> I agree. What happened? Um, so on the Dreams for Dead Cats website, they have a listing of all the shorts. And he is not among them. Oh, this is the weirdest update we've ever had on the show. <laughs> Do they have an update of who is on there? Yeah. All right. Um, let's name names. Put them out there. David Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ari- uh, no one we know. Okay. Ariel Hansen. So, Corin so cool Langen. people. Yeah. Great. 
what a wonderful use of our time. Well, no, I mean, it's two hours. It's a film fest. Go support him. Let's go hang out with Ariel. Be like, hey, we talked about you on our show. <laughs> yeah, the little mermaid. You'll be like, who the fuck are you? And we'll be like, wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> All right. Then we'll beat him up. That's where that was going. That's where Randy comes in. <laughs> One, he flies in. Yeah. Don't do it, guys. To be our muscle. No, Randy almost got beat up in front of the Roxy. You don't That's remember true. that? There was a there was a uh, a man experiencing homelessness out there <laughs> yeah. who was looking very aggressive, and Randy, you know, banished. Nah, him. Randy Scrappy, he would have gone straight for the throat. I think so. That's the thing, <laughs> you know. That's what I say. I would go. Sh- See, you got to fight dirty because I can't <laughs> fight. So I'm going yeah, straight same. for your your nose or your throat or your balls. Okay, I was gonna say balls fell out of favor. Remember back in the day, I feel like growing up, everybody's like, kick him in the balls, dude. That's a thing. Now, I feel like MMA's changed the culture. Here's the thing. If they're tall, go for the balls. Okay. Because then they'll haunch over. Then I got front access to their face. Then DDT. That's right. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. That's my move. Kick them in the balls and then DDT them. All right. All right. I think we did it. All right. We're saving America. We can wrap up the show now. Okay, are we going to start it officially? Let's do it. All right, let's bring them in. Good evening. It's January 7, 2024, and it's a Sunday, day two of weekend projects. And the fun work train is rolling today. I'd like to start by sharing my New Year's resolution. In 2024, I plan to write more bad pages as Jody Picou famously said, you can always edit a bad page. You can't edit a blank page. Oh. This mindset will keep you moving forward in your draft, even if you're begging yourself to turn back and fix a description or tweak a character arc. So overlook our listeners. Please keep writing poorly. Just don't send it to us. We won't read it. <laughs> and today, I'll be thinking about Gene Kaniski and his victory over Luthes in St. Louis. This win secured him the NWA Wrestling Champion in 1966. And no, Clark, I haven't seen the Iron Claw, so don't even ask. Everyone, have a great day. Dude. Insight. 2024. <laughs> <laughs> Lynch, he's, I'm, he's got some energy. Uh, well, since David brought it up. Oh, no. Uh, I, I would encourage both of you gentlemen to go back and watch uh, The Dark Side of the Ring. Oh, yeah, uh, featuring uh, the Von Erich story, um, Randy. It's fantastic. Forty-five minutes. We we learn a lot that we don't learn in the movie. Uh, there's some very um, important things that were sort of omitted in the story of the Von yeah. Erichs for one reason or another. Uh, like we talked about last week with uh, the exclusion of one of the brothers. Um, there was also a fake Von Erich, Randy. Uh, the organization decided that <laughs> since they were dying off, <laughs> they had to intro Snip another one because one of the brothers wasn't ready to be a wrestler. So they created a Von Eric called Damn. Lance Von Eric. <laughs> and it did not, uh, everyone knew he wasn't a real Von Eric. <laughs> they, they looked at him from across the room. Yeah. Like, we know. Yeah. We know you're not. Wait, are you going to talk a little bit about it? Because I do think there's an interesting detail that I can pivot from into yeah. uh, the next segment. Yeah. And then um, uh, Fritz, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So uh, Fritz, uh, the patriarch of the wrestling empire, uh, the Von Erichs, um, his whole character was based upon, you know, in wrestling, you've got uh, two main type of, 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 of uh, archetypes for the wrestlers. 
you know, and this, this provides the balance in the wrestling universe. You have your baby face and you have your heel. The baby face is the good guy. The heel is the bad guy. Both are equally important. You want the baby face. You, the crowd needs to be behind the face and the crowd needs to detest the heel. And so it is the responsibility of the heels to be as detestable as possible. And so Fritz von Erich, he was a heel. And uh, who did America hate more than anybody at that given time in the 1960s? They were the Nazis. <laughs> so he was a Nazi in Texas. And so that made him a very popular heel. And uh, I don't know. I think that that's interesting that that was omitted because I think that that would be a nice little thing to add into uh, the story to kind of paint a full picture of, of um, you know, not only, you know, Fritz and his story, but just kind of wrestling in general. Um, that, you know, a guy would uh, actively make this decision and it'd be a smart business decision. Yeah. And it paid off. Yeah. But, and creatively as well. And I mean, but so maybe the curse continues when a movie that is a very well crafted, very good film has to omit something like that because the name still carries a negative. I mean, maybe it's still cursed. And, you know, I was thinking back on it. I kind of like how they don't really tackle the curse in that movie. They do. I mean, it does really influence the Von Eric name. Like, oh, he picked up a fake name. Why? Oh, because he's really trying to drive home this Hitler thing. Right. And it's like the one who's still alive is the guy who tried to uh, shrug it off. Right. But really, the movie's more about him trying to make his own path in life. Yeah. Where. It might just be you got to get rid of the Hitley, the Hitler propaganda memorabilia. You got to get rid of the Confederate flag. Oh, was that fair? I don't think that was fair. I don't care. In the next episode, you admit to owning one. So I don't want to put you out there, group you in with the Von Erics. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> Stay tuned for Thursday. <laughs> I'm even confused on our timelines at this point. I, I know. And uh, we're talking about Nazis. And uh, confusing timelines. (laughs) Well, we are a little bit now with the Von Erichs. Oh, you know, last thing on that, the Vice doc was made after the movie or before? That's a good, I think it was before. Like, do they address the film at all in the film? No. Okay. On the YouTube thing, they do not address. Okay. Because the way you're talking about it it seemed very like poignant or like very, uh, like it would work well as a companion. Also, uh, Kevin has two sons and they are starting to wrestle themselves. Under a different name, I hope. I know. I think they're going to be. I think the Von Erichs are coming back. It's baby. coming back. Oh, dude! I think they're coming back. Now, if one of them starts wrestling with a peg leg, we know. Oh, dude. you got to change the fucking name. Um, but I will. You know what? Are you good? Yes, Can we sir. pivot here? Yes. Okay. Then, uh, let's continue the Nazi time travel talk in uh the TVA report. <laughs> Welcome to the TBR Report, the segment where we take a closer look at the vast world of in-world camera cinema. Each week, found footage filmmaker turned found footage adventurer Thomas Burke checks in from around the globe to share his newly found found footage as the leading in-world camera philosopher and proud member of the award-winning Barbados Voice. I ingest the footage and spit out my wisdom. Clark, what did you write us this week? This week, I'm recommending Lola, a time travel found footage film made by Dark Sky Films, which is set in Sussex, Sussex England, <laughs> and released last year in 2022. 
The film is currently available to watch on all major streaming platforms, including the freebie via Tubi. The synopsis is, two sisters invent a machine that intercepts broadcast from the future. With World War II on the horizon, they use it to change history. I've got to admit the effort it must have taken to make this movie logistically from its clever ways of establishing practical audio in a day and time where sound capabilities weren't readily available on video cameras to their dedication to historical facts just to switch them around via their own storytelling purposes, which is oftentimes referred to as the confactoral history subgenre I like so much, counterfactual history. There were so many commas in that (laughs) sentence, it was insane. <laughs> now back it. But I do have to wonder if anyone has noticed this regarding publications and the movie's written plot, because on Letterboxd, the story is set in the year 1938. On IMDb, the story says the, it, the year it is set is 1940. And on Prime, the story is set apparently in 1941. So what does this actually tell us? Well, to me, it's either a fancy dedication to meta. My cursor was on the word, and I didn't know what the word was. <laughs> Well, to me, it's either a fancy dedication to meta video marketing or perhaps time travel might just actually exist. What's even crazier to me, though it does not matter which way you look at it, the film is 79 minutes long, total runtime, backwards, forwards, side to side, literally every which way but Sunday. So I thought that it was a little goof. It was a little fun goof if they were trying to instill this conspiracy on us that a found footage film can be set in three different years but encompass the same, same, the exact same total runtime? Yeah, right. That's just bananas. I mean, Matthew McConaughey once said in The Wolf of Wall Street (laughs) that we as people are dealing with numbers all day long. So you got to feed the geese in order to keep the blood flowing. Am I right, Randy? But look, none of this matters, though, because regardless if you're a man or a woman, we can all agree on one thing after watching this flick, which is making history will never be the same again. All the best, Tom McVert. What? All the best, Thomas Burke, found footage adventurer and CEO of the TBR Report, formerly known as the Thomas Burke Report. Report. Thank you. (laughs) That was a fucking journey you went on, dude. The run on sentences. Dude, Tom crushes it and he does not sleep. Actually, I talked I spoke with him yesterday and he mentioned that he was in bed. And I said, You own a bed? I know you have a house. I didn't know you had any of those. Anyway, he recommended Lola. Lola. L O L L Lola. Dude, keep it going. Lola. So Lola uh is a movie that I don't know if I would ever found it. I I now understand that films like found footage is a genre that encompasses all genres. It's really just a narrative format. And a lot of it is science fiction. And I realized without Uh. Thomas, I wouldn't know Blue Hour. I wouldn't know, you know, like there's all these films that he brings to me. Never would have been on my radar. And Lola is incredibly well-crafted. In fact, it reminds me of your boy. And by your boy, I mean... By where? I mean, by your. I mean, you and Randy. Jesus. Man <laughs> almighty. We'll see you next week. So, Because we're going to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Diarrhea and a stroke. Yeah. We'll go in. We'll, we'll have beds next to each other. Um, uh, yeah, it reminds me of the homie who made the dirties. 
or Operation Avalanche. Matt Johnson. Like it's a very well crafted film. And what so this filmmaker won't talk to us either. <laughs> well, they will if we think that we're uh, if they get us confused with a New Orleans film fest of the same True. name. Scumbag. So this film, we see it mixed media a lot in in-world camera footage, but this one we're going the other direction. We're actually downgrading. We're we're like aging the a plot, and we're fitting it in with a lot of archival footage and uh, created history. It's really effective. And the two leads here, they're fantastic in it. And again, sci-fi, you know, you could, I don't think this is really hard sci-fi. There is a little bit of hard history in here. And it's a reimagining of of what life could be. And these two girls, they build a time machine. But the time machine, it's not like they travel in time. There's a little screen. And basically, they end up watching like David Bowie before World War II. And they're like, look what the future has. And a big moment in the movie is when they start pairing with Winston Churchill, not directly because they're trying to be hidden, but they're helping England out in the war. Like they're predicting attacks and they're giving them information. And uh, one day David Bowie's gone. It's a different guy. And they're like, what the fuck do we do? Lost con- lost uh, ground control. Yeah. And uh, I mean, don't think I didn't notice that the main characters go by uh, Mars and Tom at one point. So we got a David Bowie fan here. I definitely recommend people check this out. Are it's you on a David Tubi. Bowie fan? I'm in and out. When I was younger, I hated Excellent him. Burger. When I got, when I grew up a little bit, I was very in. Then later in life, like right now, I don't know if I would throw on a Bowie album. It's, but it's the same problem I have with everything. Because he's too popular now? There's so much conversation on Because fans him. made shoes on him? Yeah, I'd rather spend my time like looking at other people. Yeah, just listening to the same Rainbow album over again? Uh, no, but I did do that at one point. Uh, no, like Dungeon Synth. Like shit, the Uncharted yeah. territory that probably doesn't deserve that much time. Oh, Randy's favorite movie of last year, Uncharted. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. Randy, I definitely I check seen it this. out. Oh, you watched it? Yeah, I saw it in like August. I I was trying to find it in the Discord. I know Mickey and I talked about it to each other. I could have sworn it was in the Discord, but I can't find anything. Okay. There. But then, I believe Mickey's seen it and I, I definitely saw it in like August of this past year. I remember an echo of it floating around. And then when Tom brought it to me, I'm like, oh, it must have I just assumed it was Tom who told me about it a while yeah. ago. Yeah. But I don't what did you think about it? Uh, I don't remember a ton of it, but as you were talking about it more, I kind of remembered, uh, it, I, I liked it fine. I didn't, you know, love it, but thought it was cool. Yeah. I, I think what's most important is that they're paying attention to the format and it plays a major role in what the movie actually is. Like yeah. the thing I always talk about where like after the fact, like why was it made, who edited it? There's a great reason for it. And the one thing that I was really excited to talk to you about was there, um, as they start altering the future, uh, the fu- time rolls on. And at one point, there's a full song that is a product of Nazi-occupied England, and it's like synth pop. Do you remember that, Randy? Kind of, yeah. Dude, it's so fucking good. It's <laughs> like, like I rewound the movie to listen to it again. And Oksana was trying to Shazam it. Could you? No. Okay. Well, here's the thing. Could you Kazam it? It's fucking good. 
And I heard a little birdie that it may be getting uh, picked up pretty soon for a uh, physical release. No criterion. We got a little bit of <laughs> criterion <laughs> fucking wishes they would wake up and put some cool shit out. They, they're so unfriended. I will never forget that. I it's do- just on the channel program. <laughs> They put a bunch of stuff that is oh, literally right. not anything criterion that they just get the rights for, for like yeah. certain programming, like themes and they'll throw it on there and it'll be gone in a month. Randy. So are you saying that these movies do not get blessed by the halo of judgment from criterion? They're more just a like product of like future capitalism. They're just making money. No, I mean, there's some acknowledgement that, you know, this is a, uh, a film that we acknowledge and want on our channel, but it's not like they put it out. Okay, so there's a distinction. They're like, this isn't. Yeah, uh, it's like it's a difference good. when I have friends that say like, oh, like that. I have a friend that uh, talks shit on May December being a Netflix movie, the new Todd Haynes movie, but it's literally just like a Todd Haynes movie that was picked up and is now distributed on Netflix. I feel like people don't make distinctions sometimes with these sort of things, which I think makes yeah. a lot of a difference. That is, you know, it's you brought up Netflix, and the thing about Netflix is they lock up their films. They're like fucking WB. They never let them go out. A WB. Well, WB, they have a history of denying boutique labels to do like you know a grand edition of a film. They just don't let people fuck with it. So Netflix is kind of similar. Every now and then they'll put out a movie, and you just got to jump on it. Because who doesn't trust a frog in a tuxedo? I know. <laughs> He had a name. Do you know name? I feel like you might know his name. Uh, I believe it was Jeffrey. Okay, no. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. So yeah, Lola, again, I I think if you're coming at this looking from like the editor-auteur stance of a film being created in the editing bay. Michigan J. Frog. Michigan? <laughs> Michigan J. Frog okay. is the right. name of the dancing and singing frog that stars in the WB commercials. I regret asking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more of a Mich- uh, Nebraska J. Toad guy. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Don't That's br- a terrible night. Don't bring a toad into Evan's house. Again, a call back to the future. Enjoy Thursday. Much like Lola. <laughs> but yeah, I this movie is masterfully crafted. I've never seen archival footage integrated into a major plot line like they did here. Also, there's the stigma of just low-budget being the reason that you make an in-world camera film. And this movie constantly confused me because there's moments in here where I'm like, they had money. Like there's shit in here going, like all the set design, the actors looked of the era, which, you know, can shoot your movie down immediately. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I really like this one. And again, it is available on Tubi. Um, And I love how Tom pointed out that on every platform, there's a different year cited for the film starting. And I wonder if they are like kind of hinting at a little ARG thing. Although I don't know how many people would really dive into that. Most ARG fans are more into like Slenderman. Potentially of- it's changed since he looked at it, but it does say 1938 on, on Letterboxd. I'm on IMDb right now and it says 1940. Huh. Yeah, so I'm... <laughs> I'm on 4chan and it says 1969. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, so again, if anything comes out of this movie, it's got to be that song. So maybe, you know, Oksana, make a note. We got to contact the director and see if that's a copyrighted tune. Because if it's not, we're bringing it onto the show. Copyrighted tune. All right. How many stars? This concludes the Disc Report. This concludes the TVR Report. Oh.
I would have loved to answer that, but Tom chimed in. Damn. Yeah. All right, tune in on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> when we fix the stars. All right, Randy Michaelstadt over there at Atlanta, Georgia, bringing in the new year, 2024. Now, uh, right before we came on air and turned on the microphones, as we do so that we can bring you this lovely show and we're just not a couple of three assholes talking to ourselves and not recording it. No, no, no. We'll do the extra mile. We'll go ahead and record it. We'll send it to you on Tuesdays and Thursdays. But before we started doing all of that, I brought Randy Michaelstad into the chat and had a quick conversation just to make sure that no further birds had uh, entered his domicile in this 2024, extending the curse uh, everything seems to be okay over there in Atlanta, Georgia. As Randy comes to us now in his living room, uh, where the sun is brightly shining, uh, confirming um, the any rumors about Randy being a vampire. Um, <laughs> those have quickly become dispelled as the sunlight is entering Randy's room. Yeah, indeed, it is. Right. It's. Uh... <laughs> You know, it's going to be sundown here in the next 45 minutes or so. So we're getting a Ooh, little, little Gordon uh, Lightfoot action, huh? Hell yeah. Sundown, Never couldn't name you a song. You know the song? Sundown. Dude, we're going to get copyrighted. Thank you. All right, what'd you say? Yeah, I saw uh, a bunch of things trying to do a, uh, you know, a little, little catch up of some 2023 things. Uh, but I'm going to talk about two. One that I uh, physically ordered the Blu-ray on uh, Factory 25, who uh, I think has been, been killing it. I've been getting a lot of stuff from them lately. That's supposed to mean something to me, dude. Factory 25. It's an uh, indie label distribu- distributor that put out uh, Inspector Ike and... Uh, Happer's Comet and a movie I'm going to talk about in a little bit. I got a lot of good stuff on there. All right. Not Inspector but Gadget. No. That's it's been uh, 20 years since I've seen Inspector Gadget. You're missing out, dude. <laughs> Matthew Broderick <laughs> brought the real deal to the screen. Uh, yeah, so there's a movie that is potentially still in theaters. Uh, it's not playing, I think, in any theaters near me anymore. It was playing near me the week and a half that I had COVID, so I didn't get to see it. But uh, I watched a movie called Eileen um, featuring Thomason, McKenzie, and Anne Hathaway, Shea Wiggum. Oh! Uh, yeah, a bunch of, bunch of great people in it. Uh, this is based on a book by Otessa Mosfeg, Mosfeg, something like that. You nailed it. Uh, who I, I started reading this novel years ago, and I never finished it. So just like infinite jest, <laughs> exactly. Except for this one was much shorter, but I just never finished it for whatever reason. The but Bible read... is much shorter <laughs> than infinite jest. Uh, but I've read uh, a couple of her other novels and uh, I'm a fan. I hear uh, that the novel is a little darker than this movie is, um, but I really dug it. It's essentially, there's like three or four different synopsises that I find in different places, but on IMDb, it says a woman's friendship with a new coworker at a prison facility uh, where she works takes a sinister turn. So essentially, Thomas and McKenzie. Is this a lesbian prison movie? <laughs> uh, not quite. Uh, that's a shame. But uh, yeah, Thomas and McKenzie is a, is a young girl who's living in the Boston area with her 
father, uh, played by Shay Wiggum, and he used to be a cop, and she is working at this uh, prison uh, in like the Boston area. Um, and one day, the new like doctor psychologist for the prison, or therapist or whatever, shows up, uh, played by Anne Hathaway, and she is just like sort of becomes obsessed with her, just like from her look. She's like has this very striking blonde hair and like just like is dressed cool and like looks she looks like a hitchcock blonde in this movie like it yeah, takes place good. in like the 60s <laughs> or the 70s she looks um good. yeah she and the camera is yeah, like how, as equally so obsessed with her like her hair and how much it stands out as like vertigo or something um it's got a lot of shots that kind of reminded me uh of that and the main title so you're saying there's echoes of vertigo a, a little bit yeah okay uh, and the main, the first title sequence, uh, the titles are like very stylish that look kind of like an old, like Hitchcock, like a uh, sort of style of, uh, of font. Um, it was really cool. And the sc- score is great. It's pretty much kind of in to the mood and like the style of this movie from like the first five or 10 minutes. And, uh, yeah, I think it definitely held up throughout the movie and I think it actually like ended before I thought it was going to actually um, not that it was like too abrupt or anything, but I kind of like was down to spend even more time with the story. If there was more story. Um, but yeah, I, I really dug it. I've heard sort of mixed things uh, about this movie. Um, some people really dig it and some people are kind of kind of mad or negative on it, but I'm uh, I don't know. It's pretty high. I think so far it's probably made it into my like top 15 or 20 from last year. So. I know. I was, a, I was a big fan of it. It's cool. Are you giving it a looky? I don't think so. No. All right. So, Randy, what is this? Is this some sort of highbrow eroticism? <laughs> sort of, yeah. So, oh, boo. I mean, there's a little bit. Uh, my bro- of them, my like, boner can have a heart, can have a, a my, brain. They my flirt bo- a little bit. My boner had a brain. <laughs> They flirt a little bit. There's a scene where they go to a a bar in Boston. They all they both get drunk together and dance. And uh, but yeah, it takes help. a dark turn like halfway in. Uh, so there's some crime elements, and there's some uh, there's a couple shots in the movie that take that kind of feel like uh, intrusive thoughts Ooh. Uh, that the main character is having that I thought were like really effective like uh, and really show. cool. Um, Come yeah. On, right? uh, Director is William Oldroyd, uh, who Old did. <laughs> yeah, there might be some more English way or something of pronouncing it, but he did uh, Lady Macbeth in like 2016, and I think that was the last thing he did. Um, oh, Lady Macbeth. Yeah, which I think was the first time I saw Florence Pugh. Uh, P-U. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Eileen's. Uh, I'd probably we'll go. We'll go nine out of twelve. All generous Randy is dead. Come on, Eileen. And nine's good. The we're keep, ten. We're keeping, on, the high, keeping the high scores for uh, this week, at least. Come on, Eileen. Yeah, Randy gave you nine. <laughs> 69. Also, I don't know if I've ever been potentially more attracted to Anne Hathaway than this movie. Yeah, she looks good. <laughs> okay. Hey, you sure that she looks good? Um, let, me, let me look. The trailer's <laughs> playing. Nah. No, no, no. She I needs didn't. to gain like 10 pounds. Nah. <laughs> she gained 10 pounds with this. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> you 
Got a healthy tumor on there. That's huh? exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> Put a 10-pound bag of rice on it. <laughs> So All the right. other uh, picture I watched is a, uh, like I said, it's a Blu-ray that I bought that came uh, rather quickly from Factory 25. Didn't know if it was going to come before uh, the show today, but I'm kind of glad I did. It did. I watched it this morning. It is called Warm Blood from Rick Charnowski. Uh, and I believe it came out this year. I think it played a couple of festivals last year, but um, apparently he is a Philadelphia guy who. I think baby lives in LA now, but, um, I guess made a lot of like skate videos and skate, uh, sort of like documentaries and kind of like lived, uh, in that world for a long time. But, uh, this is his first feature film and it mostly takes place in Modesto, California. Um, hell yeah. That's where scream took place. (laughs) (laughs) Is it? Uh, that's where, um, Sam came from. She was hiding in Modesto. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Also, I didn't know there were any skaters in Philadelphia, dude. <laughs> skaters are everywhere, dude. Not Philly. Yeah. I mean, Rocky not in the statue. winter, but you know. Yeah, they got snow. They got snow tread on them skates yeah, and uh, boards, dude. But uh, yeah, a little from the Factory Twenty Five website. Uh, about if you the mention them one more goddamn <laughs> time, <laughs> set in the underbelly of 1980s Modesto, California. Warm Blood uses the real-life diary of a teenage runaway named Red uh, returning home to find her father. In the narrative feature uh, debut, director Rich Charnowski's history as a skate uh, video director informs the frenetic storytelling style uh, as he combines Red's nihilist musings with a collage of documentary and B-movie meta-narratives that paint a seedy picture of life on the outskirts of town which uh, is a great description of this movie. It definitely feels like a documentary at times. And um, there's a lot of really good special features that kind of just talk about sort of how the project like came to be and sort of how they really spent a lot of time in Modesto, talking to people in trailer parks and wherever, just kind of like, like I said, on the outskirts of Modesto um, in these sort of, you know, drug addled areas or sort of seedier areas. Um, they really just like sort of did a really like collaborative thing where they were just meeting people um, or asking people on the streets. Like there was a scene with a, um, a handicapped person in a wheelchair and, uh, and like his wife and there was a couple and they talk about how they just kind of just saw them on the street. They're like, Hey, they, they stopped them and just asked them if they wanted to like be in the movie and whatnot. Um, so there's a lot of, and people just kind of play themselves. They're not really like acting. Um, but then it is kind of like intertwined with this sort of narrative of this, girl who stole the car from uh someone in LA then goes back to uh her parents place or area in Modesto um and then she kind of picks up with this other like drifter guy and uh movie is kind of like overall sort of like loose like you could tell that it, it was kind of um you could tell like the collaborative nature kind of comes into the movie like it kind of uh not that it's like not not focused, but it, I could have used a little more of like a, I don't know, a through line potentially, but, um, yeah, having, you know, spent a lot of time in Modesto where my cousin lives, I used to spend a lot of summers up there for like several weeks at a time. Um, it was just cool to kind of see something shot in Modesto that wasn't, uh, George Lucas's American graffiti, uh, which portrays a much different, 
you know, car culture, very suburban, uh, Modesto. Um, and where my cousin lives was pretty much like new developments. So it was kind of like, you know, the nicer area, um, as well. But yeah, there's a lot of like punk rock music in this movie. A lot of, like I said, really, uh, interesting characters, you know, like Russ, I think you'd really dig this movie. I know you already want to check it out, but I think it, you know, fans of Gummo would potentially like it. Um, stuff like that. So yeah, overall, like the, I'd say like the movie itself, I didn't enjoy as much until I like read the, um, a couple of essays in the, uh, Blu-ray and then watching the sort of, uh, the couple of special features. It kind of like was able to sort of like fill out the picture of the movie that they made. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really cool. I'm really, I was just browsing, uh, the website of the distributor who I will not name once again. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, but, I, I came across it and I'm, I'm glad I found it cause it's cool. Yeah. I, um, do you, you have the Blu-ray, right? Yeah. You have it there with you right now? Uh, yeah. Let me grab it. I, I got, yeah, cool. I got physical media questions about it, but that's, it's so true. Like those little booklet accompaniments for movies, like sometimes you need it cause you watch it and you're like, there's something cool going on here, but I wish I knew why like why they put it out or like what they saw. Yeah. It really helped the me. Cover's cool. Yeah. It's it like looks- kind of comic or like cartoony uh, sketches of all the characters uh, or oh, all, all the people in the movie. Um, I want to shout out the cinematography in this movie too. Um, Christopher Blauvelt, I think his name is. He did, he shot First Cow. Uh, so he's done like some big like oh. A24 movies and stuff. This movie looks like really good. There are a couple of shots that are shot like potentially on an iPhone or something more digital that I kind of took me out of it. But, um, I wasn't sure if they had actually shot some of this movie like 10 years ago because it's shot on like 16 millimeter and it looks old and there's a lot of like older cars and stuff. And I think potentially just because of where they were shooting it, it probably like looks a little more dated. Like it's not like, you know, outside the mall in Modesto or like where yeah. there's a bunch of chains and stuff. Um, so it, it looks great. It's cool. Wait, I, I got a question. That slip cover looks great. And it looks like they're doing the vinegar syndrome thing. Is it heavy? Like thick ply? It's pretty thick. Yeah, it's cool. <sighs> I love a thick slip cover. Dude. Oh, well. How much? 25, 30? Uh, I think it was pretty cheap. I felt like it was like 25. Yeah. Oh, that's the Q zone right there. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, man. I can't. I know um, Vinegar Syndrome, Severin, all of them just like updated and put out their, their new shit. And I can't even look at it. What, uh, where did you get that from? Factory 25. And yeah, Factory. it's $25. He tricked you, dude. That, oh, <laughs> is that a thing? Factory 25, they put out only $25 movies? I wish. I don't know. I think some things are uh, a little more expensive. Yeah, That's right. Factory thirty nine ninety nine. i want to watch it and it's funny i was looking up the director because it had the vibe of like a first time thing. but i'm like oh no he's done other shit but then my my favorite note was that he was in paranoid park as a skater uh yeah i did see that too (laughs) probably just in the background skating probably yeah that's like that's your fucking claim to fame right there it's like yeah i know film i was in paranoid park see that was me yeah, I um completely in. Even his short films, they all look like very like California. Like he's got what? He directed Northwest. He made a short called Tent City, Death Bowl to Downtown, Bloodshed. Tent, tent, tent City. 
punk rock summer camp seems like something you might already own, Randy. Punk rock <laughs> sure. <summer camp. laughs> yeah, I was yeah. surprised. Uh, I found out he's from Philly just from one of the shorts. Uh, they show him like sort of going up to people and uh, talking to them. And uh, he mentions that he's from Philly, but he's, you know, from uh, was living in L.A. and they came up to make this movie. So it sounds like they came up to Modesto quite a lot and did like, you know, they did their, did their research uh, and really sort of like got in with the uh, community of people. So it's cool. Yeah. I, I would like to take a more like critical look at skate film because the thing I've noticed, like a lot of that influenced Jackass, which I would consider in the in-world camera, like family. Yeah. yeah. And I'll, honestly, they bring a lot of editing to the game. Like all of CKY was kind of like, you know, removing the skating. Like, that's what Jackass is. They just took out all the, the fucking tricks and it turned into that. So I don't know. I love the idea of a director coming from that world. I Yeah, it's fuck Randy. I got to watch it. Is it streaming anywhere? Or do you have to get the, the Blu-ray? I don't think so. I just looked on iTunes before I bought the Blu-ray to see if Warm Blood was available and I didn't see it there. Um, I don't know. Not to say that it might not be on Tubi. Yeah. I feel like Tubi might have it, but. Warm Blood. What's the title about? Do they have a. Title drop moment. You know, I, I, no, they don't. I don't know. What temperature is that blood? Warm blood. <laughs> uh, Titles. Movie? Maybe it's on movie. They have like a, uh, a, a placeholder for it, but I don't think it's actually streaming. Hmm. I don't, you know, honestly, I feel bad. I don't even know Factory 25. Oh, really? They did that yeah. uh, Inspector Ike movie, which I talked about, um, or they at least sold it there as well. All right, we got to talk to them. We'll get Clark a shirt. Hell yeah. All right, Randy, anything else? Uh, No, that's it. A cranky history teacher at a remote prep school is forced to remain on campus over the holidays with a troubled student who has no place to go. It's The Holdovers from 2023. Director Alexander Payne. I finally saw it, so let's talk about this Christmas movie that I'm a few weeks late on. <laughs> um, I mean, here's the thing. When the, when this came out, I, I do like Alexander Payne quite a bit, actually. And I, I, I have been a uh, longtime fan of the talents of, of, of one Paul Giamatti. And also, I quite enjoy uh, Divine Joy Randolph when I see her around. Um, she shows up in that uh that Hulu show with Steve Martin that I like that I don't know why I like I should hate it but I still like it. Randy, Only murders. Part? That's the one. I hate First that season show. was really good. I, I hate that show and I love that show at the same time. <laughs> it pisses me off and I love it. She's great in it. She plays a cop. She's not playing a cop in this. She plays a lunch lady whose son died in the war and it's very sad. Paul Giamatti. Thank you so much. Was that your personal assistant? You won't hear it. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah, just but I pretend, pretend. I can't pretend. Actually, it was Evan <laughs> <laughs> on Discord. So, um, I don't. You know, there, there, here's the thing. I think this movie's fantastic. Um, it just and when it came out, it just it seemed like I don't know from the trailer. I'm like, I know what this movie is. It's and I don't know if I you know, I'll watch it later. And that's eventually sort of my attitude. And then it came out more and more people watching it. It's always good. You should do the whole over. So I'll watch the whole over. So I finally watched it. And yeah, 
It's good. It's yeah. great. There is a section um, there, and, uh, and and Randy and I were talking about this, and I had just listened to it, but Randy pointed out the uh, interview that Paul Giamatti had with Mark Marin on WTF. Uh, fantastic interview, by the way. And in that, they were discussing a specific controversial part of the movie. <laughs> now, this is not a spoiler alert because what happens is that the, the, it's a boarding school, uh, you know, in New England outside of Boston, and in the in the early 1970s. I think it's like uh, they're celebrating; they're going into 1972 or something like that, Randy. It's early 70s, I think. Yeah. And um, Paul Giamatti plays a professor who's stuck there. Um, he is being punished, so he says. Uh, so he has to stay and uh, take care of the children who don't have a place to go for the holidays. And it's only a few kids. It's like five, six kids uh, that don't have a place to go. And one of the kids there, um, as you can imagine, in a boarding school outside of Boston, Massachusetts in the early 1970s, uh, comes from a very wealthy family. Most of these families are very wealthy families. Uh, that's why they send their children to boarding schools. And um, there was a helicopter that came, and it was one of the parents uh, from one of the children. And he was like, oh, yeah, hey, you guys want to go skiing? We're going skiing. And so they take everybody else in the school that was there except for the one kid who they could not get a hold of his parents. And so Paul Giamatti still had to hang around for the one kid. And it was the one kid that uh, is you know, quite contentious in the school. Um, but you know, then, then the, the drama of the movie unfolds and then we kind of learned of, of why these two are destined to be alone together over the holidays. And, uh, it, it, anyway, in the podcast, they were explaining that the, the helicopter coming in and, uh, exhuming everyone else from the story is a bit of a deus es machina, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, sort of a, a, a happening from God that happens. But like I said, man, it's a boarding school. There's going to be crazy rich families. Like I bought it a hundred percent. Plus it kind of, you know, you needed a place to put the story. I don't know. It worked for me. And, um, I just, I, 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 uh, the story is just, uh, it's a nice warm bowl of soup. It just makes you feel good. And, uh, oh, yeah. it's just fun. I, it's, uh, it's really good. Is it getting a looky? I don't, th- here's the thing, man. It's a, it's, it's, it's a tight, looky race it is gonna be a hell of a lookies 2024 for our listeners not to mention our top tier secret special guest <laughs> that we're bringing in so you add that in there and again this isn't the top 10 is a top five all right this True. is a creme de la creme i don't think it's gonna crack the top five but it's a very good movie check it out holdovers um factory 25 so while you were talking, and oh my you were just, God. you had fantastic, interesting insight into the holdovers of a movie I will probably never watch. Such a day. I, <laughs> I was looking at <laughs> Factory 25, and look what I found, dude. Oh, shit. They got fucking Ape on Blu-ray. and oh, yeah. Of, and of course, this shit went away. They have another movie. Uncle Kent. Oh, they did Uncle they have, Kent. They have Uncle Kent, and they have Summer of Blood, dude. Oh, dude. Yeah. Oh, that's a cool cover. All right, Randy, I'm back in on Factory 25. Yeah, dude. And they're on, I think they're on sale right now. That's probably why everything's 25. Yeah. But I'm like, they uh, look like people we should be fucking with. So if yeah. you were like me out there, oh, they got Swanberg shit. They got some Mumblecore. Yep. Uh, I got Ape from them a while ago, too. Oh, wait, go back, that. go back, go back, go back. 
the catechism, the the the, the catechism cataclysm. Yeah. Yeah. Fake it's so Little. real. I don't know what that is, but it's got All right, Factor on 25. It. We'll see them next week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll all be wearing merch next time. You uh, holdovers, 10 out of 12. Good 10 time. out of 12. Back on the Randy High. All right. Now uh, we're going to we're going to roll back the clocks to Friday, uh, January 5th of Friday. this year, uh, where I was just perusing around trying to figure out something to watch. And I went on Netflix dot com through my Netflix application on my Apple television. And I found out that Netflix had just acquired the rights to the Equalizer 3. Robert McCall finds himself at home in southern Italy, but he discovers his friends are under the control of local crime bosses. As events turn deadly, McCall knows what he has to do. Become his friend's protector by taking on the mafia. (laughs) (laughs) Because sometimes, as a bro, that's just what you fucking gotta do. You gotta kill some fucking grease balls in Italy. They wrote all that on IMDb. I'm telling you, I didn't want to watch this movie because I read because I saw I was like, oh, he he kills all of Italy now. Like I, you know, I don't care. He kills all of it. He straight up kills most of Italy all in this right. movie single handedly. Um, they're so much fun. These are these are these are highly satisfying movies, and this may be my favorite Equalizer out of the bunch. Uh, the first one's very good. I remember the scene where he um, he goes crazy in a Home Depot. Uh, that one's actually very good. I don't remember two very much. Um, so you know, I these are just uh, fun plug and play movies, and um, I mean, you know, Denzel is uh, he's the movie star's movie star. You know, he is, um, he's fantastic in these roles. He's fantastic as Robert McCall. Um, and, uh, they're just fun movies. And this one, um, kind of put me down a little bit of a rabbit hole because this is, uh, his reunion with one Dakota Fanning because they were in a movie together in 2004 called Man on Fire, which I'm going to talk about next because after the Equalizer (laughs) 3, I watched Man on Fire because I realized I had not seen Man on Fire. And then also, if you go back to our review with Nick Nordlinger a few weeks ago, we had talked about, and I had just mentioned it, it caught Nick off guard because he wasn't prepared for the type of highbrow humor that we bring on the show. <laughs> and when I made the accusation that the wrong Scott Tucker died, <laughs> and I still stand by that, uh, as um, Denzel Washington has worked with both Scott brothers. Only and, killed one. Uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and Man on Fire was directed by Ridley Scott. Uh, of course, you know, he did the, the great train movie, Unstoppable, and taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3. Bullet train. Uh, if I'm missing any other Tony Scott, uh, Denzel. Express. Those are the big ones. Oh, he Denzel <laughs> should have been in Polar Express. That would have been a much better movie uh, if you sub in Denzel over Tommy. Um, but anyway, um, look, man, these are just uh, silly action movies, but I really like this one. Um, primarily because it does take place of where it does take place. I don't know where exactly in Italy they shot this. I could probably find that out by scrolling my two fingers down for a few <laughs> seconds um, and doing that. But um, I'm telling you, uh, Europe is cooler than America in terms yeah. of, of orchestra, or architecture and just old buildings and just old history. I mean, th- Russell, there's a building 
in that's uh, that's used fairly prominently in this movie, where the top of the building is a highway. The main part of the building is like, you know, where people live. And then the bottom is a system of tunnels. Oh, what a world. Europe is <laughs> Italy equalizer three. Uh, man, it's so much fun. You know what? Not uh, 10 out of 12. 10 out of 12 equalizer three. <laughs> okay, tight. 10 out of 12. It's, it's just, it's so much fun. And it's, and it's, it's sweet because it's community, you know, it's good stuff. We got a big bad in here. What's the big, the, is it like Super Mario? Who's he killing in Italy? Well, so the movie opens up and he, we're, we're in Italy, uh, in a winery and they have captured Denzel because he broke into the winery and it turns out the guy who runs the winery uh, is a very bad cyber hacker who no one's been able to, to track down. Oh, he's Francis good Ford at it. Coppola. That's right. <laughs> so he's good at it, but he's a bad guy. Correct. Okay. No one has ever found him except for Denzel. Of course. And uh, he's like, why are you here? Denzel's like, you know exactly why I'm here. You got something that don't belong to you. And I'm about to take it from you. And then he does the whole thing of like, you got nine seconds to decide. This is what we're doing. <laughs> like, you know, I, I love that type of stuff. He's like, you got nine seconds to figure out what you want to do. And of course, you know, Denzel kills him. Uh, and then, uh, but all of this kind of sets into place for the rest of the movie. We don't know why Denzel was there. We don't know what was uh, motivating his actions for uh, retrieving mm. whatever he had to retrieve. And all this is uh, taking place in the third act with sort of that. So I'll, I'll leave that to you as you can enjoy the 10 star movie. Okay. So the hacker is not the main bad guy. No, 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 no. The hacker plays a very, very small role. But the <laughs> hacker he, 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 he's, he, is very important <laughs> to the rest of the story. You understand? Because it's foreshadowing for who the real villains are. And it is La Casa Nostra. Oh. It's the mafia. Oh, I thought that meant taken over This lovely, the, the vampire mafia <laughs> has taken over this beautiful Italian town. Yeah. Nicolas Cage was in the movie. Same thing. This is a great movie. Check it out. Equalizer 3. Now. Moving over to Man on Fire, 2004. Have any of you fellas seen Man on Fire from 2004? I have been going on X a lot and watching like real fight videos. I think I saw a new one like yesterday. Yeah. Wait, yeah. What? I think I saw a new Man on Fire like yesterday. Oh my God. Russell, ready, <laughs> edit that out. <laughs> edit I think I've seen bits and pieces of it. I don't think I've seen it in full. In Mexico City, a former CIA operative swears vengeance on those who committed an unspeakable act against the family he was hired to protect. Love it. It's a two and a half hour movie. And let me tell you something. It could have been eight and a half hours. And it would have deserved it. This movie <laughs> fucking rules. And also, guess what? I cried. You cry. <laughs> if you don't cry, if you don't cry in oh Man on God. Fire, you have no soul. This man is on fire. If, if the end of this movie does not make you cry, you're not a person. I see we got a Mickey Rourke. We got a Christopher Mickey Walken. Mickey Rourke plays a scumbag lawyer, and he's pretty good. We got Roberto uh, Sosa. He's not in the movie very long. Uh, Mark oh. Anthony oh. Uh, plays the father of Dakota Fanning. Oh, my God. As you can imagine. I'm more of an um, L. Fanning guy. And you also, uh, Christopher Walken, yes. <laughs> Randy's always catching L. 
Christopher Walken plays Denzel's care, uh, partner. Okay, I didn't know. Like, they're dating? No, uh, cop. Oh, okay. Yeah. Platonic. Um, the, the, uh, Christopher Walken gives, <laughs> he gives like a monologue because Denzel, um, Denzel was hired to protect Dakota Fanning. Um, and the family of Mark Anthony, because Mark Anthony is like some political figure down in, in Mexico City, and there's a lot of kidnaps and kidnappings and death threats down there. So they send you know special forces down there. So uh, Christopher Walken and Denzel, and Denzel's primarily taking care of Dakota Fanning, and then Dakota Fanning gets kidnapped and he gets shot eight times. Uh, but so then he leaves the hospital knowing that he's gonna die because they tell me he's to rest, but he's not gonna rest because he's gonna kill everyone who was involved in the kidnapping. And uh, so that kind of turns into the second half of the story is uh, his sort of hell path for vengeance um, because uh, they, I won't tell you what happens to Dakota Fanning because that's, <laughs> that's a big part of the story too. But um, he goes on a war path and then starts uncovering some things on his war path. And uh, before all that, that's all kind of set up by a monologue that Christopher Walken gives to somebody else that uh, a war is coming. And I, I don't have it verbatim, but basically Christopher Walken, a very Christopher Walken way, just says, some people work. Oh, this is the worst Christopher I'm not Walken. Doing, I'm not, not going to do the Christopher Walken impression. I was going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Come on, do it. How did you back out of that? Because honestly, it's not very Christopher Walken-y. Um, you know, he's sort of a grounded Walken here. Okay. You know, he's Christopher Crawlin. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he's like some artist work in paints oh no John works in violence and then he put a watch in his butt that's right he said it to nine seconds <laughs> oh no he did he did put a watch in his butt he did put something in somebody's butt <laughs> do you not know that he put a bomb in a guy's butt the guy who runs like a, a portion of like the Mexican cartel is involved in this kidnapping. Denzel tracks him down. He's like, do you know who I am? He's like, yep, you're the guy. And he's like, I put a bomb up your butt and he blew up. He put a steely Dan in there. He put a steely Dan up his butt <laughs> with a bomb. Oh my God. Uh, Man on fire. Uh, 13 out of 12 stars. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is that it? I, I mean, you guys, it's, it's a good, it's a good movie. No, you got one more. Okay, I also watched a little documentary on Netflix. Cool. Randy's got his Factory Twenty Five. I got fucking Netflix, <laughs> dude. Think about all the sponsors I got. Wait, what are you looking <laughs> it's at? The wrong time. <laughs> you dinkle doink. Oh. All right. Um, in this true crime documentary, three guys exploit the free wheeling cryptocurrency market to scam millions from investors and bankroll lavish lifestyles. This is called BitCon. Here's the thing. Um, there's, a, there's a ton of these things happening. Um, you know, I, I think that we are inundated with, <laughs> we are inundated with now stories and documentaries and clips and reels of scumbags involved <laughs> in cryptocurrency and all these things. Easy. This one's this one stands out uh, for me. I don't know how it could have been marketed better, but honestly, this story is really centered around um, one guy. Um, what's the guy? I don't even know that guy. Say. 
Is it right? I don't think that's him. Is it right? I think it's right. Robert Farkas? Oh, yeah, Ray Trapani is the guy's name. Um, this guy is a, is a sociopath. <laughs> and he talks about being a sociopath, essentially. Um, and they basically started this business that, basically, Randy, they created a debit card for your uh, cryptocurrency, huh. uh, specifically for your Bitcoin. So, and of course, it did not work. But they they go through the bit. I mean, they created a all of their profiles on LinkedIn. Everything was fake. They said that they all had Harvard business degrees. Uh, they created a CEO for this company that did not exist. <laughs> and then um, you know, through fundraising and uh, getting some uh, you know good publicity online, they ended up fundraising you know tens of of millions of dollars. Yeah. Uh, for this product that really just does not exist. And they all kind of ran everything on a Discord server. And yeah. uh, that's how they, uh, excuse me, um, not Discord server, a Slack server. Uh, they ran everything on Slack, um, including, you know, all their investors and, and things like that. And they just kept getting bigger and bigger. And there were some legitimate sides of the business. Uh, and then there was Ray, who... Uh, attributed nothing of measure, uh, was just on Percocets all day and, um, you know, spending everybody's money. And the documentary is really centered around him, uh, because there were other people involved in the business. One guy still serving prison time. Um, this guy got time served. He snakes out of every felony he's ever gotten. 13 felonies doesn't <laughs> serve time. Um, and it's just, it's an, I don't know, man. I, I will always watch documentaries about scumbags who talk about them being scumbags. Okay. I love it. Uh, it was just like BS High with that guy who made the fake football school. Um, I mean, that guy is, he deserves to be locked away forever. Uh, this guy too. But this guy's a new dad. <laughs> and like shows his, you know, shows the birth of his newborn son on this thing. And it's just, um, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, we certainly are inundated with all these stories, like I said before, but this one kind of stands out from the pack to me just because it is so centered around one uh, personality and um, you just get an unfiltered look of this guy. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely worth a watch. It was interesting for me. You know, you're right. There are a bunch of like post-crypto docs coming out. And it's funny because it's almost like you could feel the energy where y'all were rich and you put it in our face. And now that it's kind of flipped, yeah. we're going to fucking rub it in your face. Exactly. That's like the culture. Yeah. And I think the best way to do that is like, I don't know. I just, I love scammers talking about scamming. Mm -hmm. And especially when they got away with it. Yeah, People are still doing the crypto thing though. Like it's not, it hasn't all bottomed out. Bitcoin's that, chilling right now, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, as Randy is smiling over there in Atlanta, but you know, like Ethereum didn't pan out. For the, the record, NFT. I don't have that much. Okay. I have a Did fraction a, of one. You bought a house with <laughs> your Bitcoin, Randy. So don't fucking lie to our audience. Um, yeah, but like the NFT thing, like everybody knew that wasn't going to pan out. 
So you don't see a lot of NFT oh, documentaries. It's because, all because again, I, I think that the NFTs were were building blocks. Yeah, I do too. You know, but that's like a conversation that you don't casually have with somebody when it comes up. NFT, I, you know me. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I have to ask: You're talking about a documentary on Netflix. What does it look like? Is this archival footage? Is it all talking head? Is it just, is this guy really sitting on a stack of Bitcoin in front of two jets and uh, purple and neon city? It's, it's, uh, it's sleek. There's some sleekness to it. Okay. Like you know? YouTube or? Uh, it's also some dramatization. Oh, there's reenactments? Yeah. Oh, okay. A little bit of that. Um, yeah. It's good. It sounds like it's a talking head documentary. It's mostly, it's a lot of talking oh, heads. I can't fuck it's a lot of talking. But again, they made, all right, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing um, that was very interesting. So I'm like I said, that you, you were going to the restroom when I said yeah, this yeah. part, but um, they basically is like, they were three childhood friends that started this company together and they had all done, you know, their own versions of, of you know, this guy, he opens up the movie talking about he he only wanted to be a criminal growing up. Like that is the only that was his path is to be a criminal and to scam people. He said, this is what I am. This is what I know. Mm -hmm. This is what I do. This is me. And so, of course, he's got other little, you know, uh, gutter snipe buddies that uh, they ran this business together. But they wanted to have, you know, to make it look legitimate. So they made their own uh, LinkedIn fake profiles, gave them all business, Harvard business degrees. And then they brought in a CEO that was going to sort of, you know, uh, give them some legitimacy. Well, they created this guy. It said that he was, it had been a long term. And basically, uh, he had never spoken out. He just said that that yeah, he he just kind of worked as like our bank for a little while. Like he he was an early investor in the company, and we just kind of gave him the the role as CEO. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of surface level, um, and uh, because he never existed. And what they did was is that this guy said, "Yeah, I just went on Google and typed in old white guy, <laughs> and took a picture, and then that was the picture that they put of him as the CEO on their That's website." So funny. Now what they did in the documentary is that they actually interviewed the guy, the guy? Okay. who they stole his picture. And then they kind of looped him in on this whole backstory that he wasn't aware of. But then he obviously became aware of it when this became a bigger and bigger story. You know, uh, a bit of a tangent, but I promise it, it relates. I think that's an important thing to do with the documentary. If you don't have a ton of like facts that you're gathering up and you're really putting the story out there for the first time together... You got to have fun shit like that. Yeah. And we were trying to learn how to play uh, the alien board game that came out a little bit ago on New Year's Eve because it's the kind of life I live. And we ended up looking a bunch of YouTube how to play the board. Because you, if you're playing a board game, you're reading the rules. You're fucking living in the dark ages. Jump on YouTube. You'll find a condensed, easy version where somebody's just kind of speeding through it and they'll show you. We looked at three different videos. Because every they're like a documentary. Everybody has a different style and format. And the last one was our buddy uh, Chris and Lee when they came over. Yeah, remember they they brought dead dicks and then they returned to Canada. And Lee took up what like he started doing board game. Chris, yeah, yeah, Chris. 
what did I say? Lee? Mm-hmm. Sorry. Chris, he started doing board games. I don't think he does anymore, but he did a great job of that. And he brought a bunch of like factoids. He compared it to other games and he just kind of like laid this very, it's almost like mise-en-scene of a documentary. Like they give a broad view of where the story lies. And I, I think that shit is important. And also, I think y'all should be watching more YouTube docs. Which, if you're done, Clark, we could pivot directly into one. And also, I want to say <laughs> that I will not accept any YouTube documentaries as a part of your lookies next week. <laughs> they will be stricken uh, from look, the no, no, no. record. No, no, no. See, we get like 30 lookies sent to the house every year. And five of those are mine. And, you know, the little plates don't come pre-engraved. So while I'm down there. I can put whatever the fuck I want on there. Yeah, you and already if did I a video play- game one year, so. Yeah, exactly. But I did say that was a movie. No, I've already, <laughs> our special guest will tolerate no King no, Vaughn documentary. No, it doesn't fucking matter. I don't care about them, and I don't care about the looky, the old dead white man you Googled to model the statue <laughs> after. I'm going to make a YouTube, they're all going to be fucking YouTube now. I that? might have a TV show. Okay. All right. Don't let him show up. <laughs> a fall of House of Usher? No. There's ruin it? No. Or it's, just keep guessing, ruin it, so he doesn't have to bring it up. If it was Midnight Mass, maybe. But uh, that was about, a couple years ago. What about the new Frasier? <laughs> That's it. You ruined it. <laughs> Toss salad and scrambled eggs. Actually, who the look he's modeled after. Bitcoin. Uh, 10 out of 12. No, now you're, you're not Bitcoining me into watching this. It's good. Shit. No, you would enjoy it. It's good. No, I wouldn't. There's in no <laughs> world would I ever enjoy that. Scammers, scam. Okay. <laughs> it's good. All right. Toss scammers and salad. What is Toss it? scammers and scandalous. Yeah, I know. I couldn't. What is and Toss salad and scrambled eggs. eggs. Damn it. Toss salad and scammer eggs. We should have went with. Toss salad and scandalous. <sighs> All right. Let's call it again. I think, I think it's time to pull the plug on the show. <laughs> All right. We had a good run. We got to make it to five. Okay, I, uh, we're right there. We There's a finish line that we have to fall short of That's at right. some point. Four ninety nine. dollars <laughs> Of the, it has to be. All right, Bitcoin. Great job. Uh, you know what, Oksana? Should I talk about it or no? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to be very brief here because I too be very boxer. I, I too was looking up looky movies, and I'm like, what's everybody talking about that I missed? Hey, what what do I got to catch up on? And I watched a movie about a lady with bones in her body or yeah, something. Yeah. How you yeah, call it? Yeah. Husera, the Bone Woman. Yeah. That time you who said uh, get the your bone life woman. Let me look it up. The bone woman. I forgot to have a different screen opened up on my phone, so I can't read it up here. Uh, this is a triple retread, I think. Right? You yeah, both watched it. it yet. You haven't seen it, but you Clark, seen it. You talked nah. about it, right? Oh, Clark retread. <laughs> That's all we need. It's and, a Clark retread because uh, I'm not going <laughs> to spend a lot of time here. I'll just say it will not be making my top five. Spoiler alert. Do you like it? I enjoyed it. Um, How do I not sound mean here? I think it was fantastic. And in the rare occasion, I actually kind of wish it didn't take a horror turn. I think the horror turn set up a fantasy rule set that needed, needed, it demanded a conclusion. And although this movie ends with what I prefer usually, which is like an indie kind of up in the air, I... There's something about 2023, and I may get more into this during the lookies because I'm I'm bringing a pedestal up there and I'm getting activist on that stage. 
But the fucking my peers that are so terrified of having a child, having had one last year, well, two years ago, I guess it was 2022. I just, I don't get it. And I'm like, I watch a movie like this that has a lot of anxiety about being a parent. And I completely understand that. I just don't like the way that it uh, concluded, which honestly is conflicting for me because I think just because a movie doesn't, the story doesn't end the way you want it to. Does that really mean it's not as good as it would have been? And I guess personally, yeah, I would have enjoyed it more. So I would ding it there. But honestly, the craft, the acting, the premise, I liked everything about it. But I'm, you know, I'm so close to it that I'm just like, yeah, we could talk about it later if it pops up. I'm, this has been making a ton of people's top 10 list. So again, my contrarian is probably coming out too. Yes, of course. Where I'm like, you are what you are. Hey, you know what? Much like your scammer friend, I can at least admit what I am. That's right. All right. So we're going to move on from How that. many stars? Don't put me. Don't, yes, don't I you have fucking to. dare. I'm the bookkeeper. You know what? Um, oh, unfortunately, uh, Thomas chimed in, so I can't. <laughs> what? Boo. <laughs> fucking boo. I don't, you know. That's what? your move? I'd have to think about it more. Tom, you, you can leave now. You right. didn't have to come uh, in, but I appreciate it. Um, I give it 10 out of 12. That's my Russell. Oksana, what would you give it? I'm like... Probably nine, eight or nine. Eight or nine. I think I'm there with you. I think I'd probably go nine. The film is undeniable in its craft, but just I'm like, I'm in the weeds. Can they put that on the Blu-ray? Undeniable (laughs) in its craft. Lord Battle. Yeah, fuck it. Do it. Are we going to get royalties from that? Is that how those taglines work? (laughs) All right, we're moving on. Uh, That was not planned. That does not remember. You cannot take away another movie because I just brought up a new one. We're getting uh, now we're we're venturing into what will definitely be a looky category of mine, a uh, YouTube cinema. God damn it. <laughs> do we have? <laughs> do we have a? Uh, here we go. YouTube cinema from around the world. Okay, that's um, appropriate. <laughs> what do you want to hear first? I watched a documentary. Uh huh. And I believe we talked about it briefly. So you already. Anyway, so last night I got into a uh, fight. Last night, I should I should do this. Like, last night. It, it deserves, <laughs> uh, we need to roll out the red carpet because last night, the Overlook Theater officially opened. Oh, boy. And it is a voice chat in Discord. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. And now we will get together and we will have fun watching movies. We started that last night. Me and uh, Evan Jordan, who will be the guest this week, uh, and uh, Rich, who's a avid listener and found footage adventurer himself, Brought to me and Evan a documentary called Found Footage, a documentary. Now, this is a, an hour long. Here, you know what? Let me just read what he wrote. Now, it's not on IMDb, unfortunately. That's Throw your cinema up there. It doesn't matter if you're on YouTube. They do it all the time, and I've learned that. So when we make our YouTube debut of a feature film, it will be on IMDb. Anyway, Hound of Hell, O-V. Mm-hmm wrote a light documentary about the beginning, rise, fall, and current state of found footage, written, shot, and edited by myself. Uh, I do, first off, props, dude. Uh, I haven't watched the the found footage documentary. What's it called? The Phenomena? Found footage phenomena, I, I think. I don't know, dude. I don't watch that nerd shit. <laughs> <laughs> and 
I heard that it's a very surface treatment of trying to like, I don't know, put a thumb on the genre or unravel this tangled web we've woven over the 10 years of doing this podcast, seven years of doing the film fest. And um, I'm going to pat myself on the back here and everybody else involved and say that I think we've done a lot of work and we've given a lot of thought as to like how to look at found footage and in-world camera and faux doc and screen life. And this guy, he's coming from the side. I don't even think he knows about the film fest, which Google, Google found footage film will pop up. But um, my main beef with this is he does what we did, which is kind of tries to coin his own subgenres here. And again, genre. And uh, you know what he calls screen life? Mm. He's like, these are films I like to call screeners. <laughs> No. And I'm like, no, no dude. Like, you, you can just tell, like... You can't do screeners. <laughs> I know. And, you know, here's the thing. Idiot. He did a pretty good job. He runs through a timeline. Also, he was he mentions this in the documentary. He was 12 when The Blair Witch came out. So I, I got a little old guy on the lawn, and I'm like... I was 13. Were you? Yeah. 86, oh God, are we 99. The cradle? How fucking... Blair Witch was 99, yes. I was 13. Am I just that old? How old, how old was I when it came out? You're a year older than me. I was only 14? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I, uh, why is this? Maybe he was young. You were born 1980 and five, correct? Yeah. Yeah. You're 14 years old. Congratulations. Maybe, maybe we're the same age. Here, let me, uh, <laughs> let me pull him <laughs> up so you can take a look at him, Clark. Because uh, I think it may give you a little bit of insight as to how this documentary might go. Here you go. We got to show Randy. Randy was 10. Oh, hell yeah. Dude. <laughs> Maybe 11, depending on what month it came out. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point. I was thinking about that. Too. Did you see it in the theater? No, I did not. Okay. No fucking way. I did. And again, I've told this story on here. I walked home through a cemetery and I do, you know, the, the other thing that I think about now is there's no phone. You weren't walking around with the phone. So you're kind of forced to reflect on the film as I traveled through the middle of a cemetery out here in Colma where all the people from San Francisco, you know, we dumped our dead bodies out in Colma. Yeah. What are you shaking your head about? I, I was, uh, it came out July 30th of 1999. So you would have been 14 and I would have been 12, but a month into the release, I would have, I would have made the transition to 13 years old. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad we nailed that down. I think he must've been younger. 12 just popped out to me, but either way, he seemed to have a very like distant view of found footage. And that's part of the reason why uh, that's part of the reason why I'm like, fuck, we need to make a documentary. I just, we, no, we played don't. ball. Well, we don't Thank by so we, I mean the, all the, me and all the voices in my head. Oh, well, they'll come out. You'll be included though. Whether well, you like it or not. Frederick Wiseman's already got that market corner. Dude. No, he doesn't. There's no building called found footage that he can no, occupy for three months. <laughs> I haven't seen no. this new one yet, but uh, I've been meaning to, but it's not playing out here. The food one? Yeah. Menu plus airs. Okay. Uh, for a minute there, I'm like, did he make a found footage document? Yeah. Titty Cut Follies 2. <laughs> Electric yeah. Boogaloo. That does. Well, I mean, it's a real documentary, though, which is the problem. Anyway, yeah, this, you know, he did bring up a couple of movies I've never seen on here, but he did the thing that most people do, which is he skipped over the whole Mondo genre. Bando. Which was, you know, faux documentaries made by Italy about America, where they would kind of just lie 
about the crazy shit going on out here, which ultimately fed into Cannibal Holocaust, which is definitely mentioned in here. Also, as uh, he's doing a YouTube edit, it's a YouTube documentary, clearly, and I have a little bit of nitpicking there. But man, I don't know. He, he's on the right path. So if you're hard up for some conversation about found footage, go check it out. He's crushing it here. And again, just proof that the algorithm is not fighting you on YouTube. It's just you got to make stuff people want to watch. He's doing much better. I think his videos prior had one view, which is one to two, which is kind of hard to do on there. But he's over 8K now. So he's crushing it. Is Power he shooting in 8K? Um, probably 6K. Actually, no, I showed you that still. It's definitely not. Yeah. Um, did you were you gonna add in something there? No, it, the time has passed. Okay. Um, then on Letterboxd, I got a comment. <laughs> that's where that's where I'm pivoting. Um, long time ago, uh, two years ago in July, long I reviewed the skunk ape experiments. Do you okay. remember that one? Oh, I remember that one. I we did a bit on here. That was two years ago. It was two years ago. Dios mío. It was fun. Um, ay, ay, ay. Time flat circle. So I wrote a. I, a little bit too lengthy of a review, honestly. Imagine. But I was kind of critiquing the nature of cryptid documentaries and how they all tend to have the same voice where it's like, I know you don't believe me, but here's the proof. And then at the end of it, you're like, shut up, nerd. Like that's, that's the whole thing. And yeah. we've been to Bigfoot Bonanza put on by our buddy Kai. And you go there and you're like, man, it's a bummer that they're all the fucking same. Except for, uh, you know, every now and then we get, uh, what, Love and Saucers or um, there's a Skunk Ape short that I'm sure y'all are tired of hearing me talk about. But I got a comment from Something More. And he said, are you familiar with Small Town Monsters work? Which, of course, we are. Because all the Bigfoot Bonanza stuff, half of it, like he did a Mothman movie. Pretty similar. Uh, he also mentioned Seth Breedlove on here. Oh, which, yes. Yeah. And um, he's like, yeah, the early work's what you described, blah, blah, blah. But at the end, he he says, have you heard of Bob Gimlin? Uh, he has some content that I think you might be into. And he put links in there because on Letterboxd, you can From the links. Gimlin Patterson? No, but I think it might be just as like an in-joke because he has a whole YouTube channel. Is it the same guy? No, about Bigfoot. Didn't Gimlin die? Oh, he's been dead. Yeah. I was at a funeral. So he does a bunch of Bigfoot shit. And I'm like, okay, I, I mean, I'll check it out. The dude sent it my way. And I was asking for licky, looky pics. And um, unfortunately, the one that he uh, attached is, what, fucking six years old, I think. And he attached a video that I cannot find on this page. Is it hidden? It's called the Mayak Skunk Ape Photos. Cool. Here's the thing. The format of this is kind of like video essay. If, you, if you're familiar with YouTube at all, it's somebody doing a VO over... Um, you know, mixed media that they found and they're kind of giving uh, their thoughts on something. Well, this one is about a couple photos sent to a police department in Florida from an old lady. And she said, Hey, I have an orangutan in my backyard. Oh God. And she, she attached <laughs> photos and she's saying that he goes through the whole letter on here, which is a little lengthy. And he talks about the internet reacting to these letters. Where's she at? Where she She's live? in Florida. So, oh. so Mayak is actually a park out there's there. There's wild orangutans in Florida? Well, uh, there's all the weird zoo shit, right? Like eccentric people buy animals yeah, and let them true. go. So she was just like, hey, I have an orangutan back yeah, here. Yeah, and then people like marbles end up with pythons. <laughs> exactly. 
call back to Thursday's episode. <laughs> um, and so she contacts the police and he goes over the whole letter and kind of talks about it. He's like, yeah, this seems like a hoax. Now the, the photos that pop up, they're kind of shocking. And we spend a lot of time looking at them. You about to show me? I'm going to, I'm going to let, that's one of them. Oh, right. It's creepy. And the other one is just a little bit of movement. And he talks about. That ain't no orangutan. I know. Clearly. It's a monster. Yeah. And that's kind of what the internet's saying. Cool. This is a hoax. That's my um, ex-wife. Sounds fun. And he's like, yeah, it probably is a hoax. And then you're like, well, okay, we're only five minutes into this video. We still got 15 to go. And he does this interesting kind of narrative where he starts analyzing he talks about like the behavior of apes and monkeys and how they have emotional um trainers can note they have five different facial expressions and he goes through them and you're kind of like what are we doing and he ties it back into the photo and he kind of explains the dynamic between two photos he's like well maybe maybe this is a couple of faces it would explain why wouldn't it attack the lady and he starts building an incredible argument for how these might be real and it's one of those things where he never says that. But while you're on the journey, you're like, fuck, dude. Like, I'm starting to get goosebumps. Like, this is kind of creeping me out. Now, again, I did watch this at, fuck, oh, I think it was 2 a.m. Oksana was like, peace out. I'm going to bed. And I fell into a fucking rabbit hole. Of course you did. I went into <laughs> this guy's, I, I, dude, you can't help it. That's the problem with the internet. Rabbit holes, dude. You trip all over them. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> one of them. Went up a month ago called arguably the creepiest Bigfoot encounter I've ever heard. And he was written a letter by somebody who watches his channel and he just reads the letter, but he has, I think he's an illustrator and he accompanies the story with illustrations and man, it's a fucking scary Bigfoot story. And it ends with a uh, religious paraphernalia being buried in somebody's front yard by the creature, supposedly. So there's a little bit of stuff in there for you too, Clark. And I just, again, I got to give a shout out. What's it's the edge? Bob Gimlin, uh, G-Y-M-L-A-N on YouTube. And he doesn't post a ton, but 10 days ago, he did post what I think is a total of less than four seconds from the Survivor Man show that the internet has found a Bigfoot in the background of. Oh. And you can see the outline here. And the type of conversation he has where it's like, I don't think Les Stroud would fake this, but also it's probably just a lump. You think Bear Grylls would fake it? Oh, all fucking day, dude. What about more Stroud? Okay. All right, Randy. <laughs> Go to the bathroom, Randy. You're not allowed here anymore. I'm good, dude. Okay. So I highly recommend that. If you're only going to do one, do the Mayak Skunk Gate which I can't find on his actual page right now. I don't know why. And go watch Man vs. Wild with my boy Bear Grylls. <laughs> I, could, um, I could send you a link, though. Reach out. I love this kind of shit. And again, uh, oh, there it is. The Mayak skunk ape photos. Look at that. Fuck. It's terrifying. It's, yeah. But if you're like me and you're kind of tired of the one voice that seems to permeate all of cryptid docs, here you go. Thank you, YouTube. You are the future of cinema. <laughs> More on that next week. In the no, we're not done. We're not done yet. Okay, yeah, next week. Yeah, you're totally correct. Because now I know it's I know the you, moment. I know you got to talk about your favorite movie this week. It's, it's the moment y'all y'all showed up for, and you you waited through the swamp of Mayak apes to get here. I mean, you know, 
when we think about it, Russell, this movie is this year's Megan. So yeah, how do you feel no, about sure. that? No, no. Yeah. But you, what is that set for 2024? You can't flip that narrative. Megan is the oddity that came out during the time of the forest or, um, uh, what was that continuation yeah. of like, was it Jew? What weird, the grudge. Is it like the grudge for something? Was the grudge? I feel like was the grudge. No, grudge was a summer know. movie, dude. One of the, the longstanding Overlook theater traditions was to go out. We all get together and we, we walk the uphill journey to the first horror movie released in theaters of the year. And it's always rough. It's really, they're usually always terrible. Yet Megan came out crushed, may even get a looky. I don't know. But this year, we had another one. We had a team up of Bloomhouse, Jason Bloom, and James Wan. Uh, Wan House. What, what is, what's his studio called? Giant Monster or something? Atomic Monster. Atomic. Giant atom, Atomic Monster. Atomic right. Monster. And uh, Bloomhouse teamed up to bring us one of the most unrelatable, disjointed, perfect example of why these weird studio Hollywood movies can be the most, you know what? Honestly, it wasn't, it wasn't boring. So I can't be that mean. Also, this movie has a part of the a plot here is baseball. So I think Clark, you might be (laughs) a woman swimming in her pool at night is terrorized by an evil spirit. That is not the movie <laughs> that you will go watch. What you are going to go watch is not a, a single word about baseball. The, the lifetime movie you have signed up for when you go to watch Night Swim is about uh, Kurt Russell's son, Wyatt Ooh. Russell. Yes, I, of course, it's him. I did not realize. I like Wyatt Russell. Yeah. He's a good actor. Well, go watch Night Swim and support <laughs> him. He's a baseball player in this movie. Oh, hell yeah. I believe he's suffering from cerebral palsy. Oh. And he's on the decline. Oh. So he hasn't been playing. And uh, he goes to see a doctor. They've, uh, they're looking at leasing a new home. And they go in there. He's in a, I think, I believe he's in a wheelchair. And they're walking around. They're like, it's state of the art. No matter what room you're in, if, if you have a health emergency, you can call immediate uh, for support. There's a button, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, he has a conversation with his wife. He's like, this feels like I'm going to be in a fucking prison. Like, I'm, I'm going to live in a hospital. Like Scott Stapp? So they look down the street. And guess what? There's a little fixer-upper. And uh, it's for sale, though. Mm. And she's like, but we can't buy a house. You're a professional athlete. We travel all the time. He must be getting traded a lot. And he's like, you know what? He's a journeyman. It's time to move on. After a doctor was incredibly rude to him. Like, you know, you want a a doctor to be uh, frank with you and just be like, hey, dude, you can't. Your body's not going to do it. This lady was almost making fun of him. You think Randy would be a good doctor in that regard? How would his bedside manner? Let me be frank, dude. No, he's a better IT guy. He's the one that's like, <laughs> did you try unplugging it? That's more Randy's style than, uh, sorry, but you got to give up baseball and then laugh at him. <laughs> like, he's this fucking idiot. Like, Randy he, be like, baseball sucks anyway, dude. <laughs> True. In a month, you're going to be a hunchback. What the fuck are you thinking? Yeah. And, you know, what position do you think he plays? He, he's Ray Waller. It's Wyatt Russell. He's a tall strapping guy. So I'd either put him in pitcher or first base. Exactly. I thought pitcher. Maybe we were catcher. there with a listener, uh, Sean, who's like, I thought he was going to be first base. He's a third baseman. I could buy that, you know, corner infielder. I was like, I didn't know enough about baseball. I'm like, I thought he was going to be a pitcher because 
just the way he's the patriarch of the yeah. family. Wouldn't buy him as a shortstop, or I would not buy him yeah. as a middle infielder. I knew enough for that. Short. Yeah. And if you're an outfielder, right, that's kind of like, oh, you're just a hitter at that point. No, I mean, you know, you, you've got some defensive specialists out there in the outfield. It's a lot of ground to cover, so you want to you, you can get Be some speedier guys, yeah. or you want guys with the bigger arms. You want to put in their corner spots in the outfield. Okay, so that's the A story here. Now, the reason he, so, you know, the moment of let's buy a house is kind of like, I'm family forward from now on. Like, it's not about me. He's not uh, Fritz von Eric. He's like, mm. no, no, I'm going to live my life for y'all. And uh, you know what? They have a pool. He's Kevin von Eric. So he's like, should we change our name? He's like, um, you know, the pool is a great form of therapy. So if we buy the pool, I don't have to live in a hospital and I can get my work in here and I can, you know, maybe one day pick up a ball again. And, uh, <laughs> you know, how in a horror movie, they always got to let you know you're watching a horror movie. So somebody will die in the beginning. That's what the synopsis was here. Or a lady goes for a late night swim. It's a little girl. She sees her like brother's boat in the pool. So she's like, Oh, I'm going to go get his boat. He likes it. And her brother's like in a fucking, what did he was hooked up to a machine? He was struggling. Oh, she goes down there, reaches into the pool, gets pulled in by something, and we're like, okay. Pennywise. And then that's it. Well, Penny, you're not far off. Uh, she's in the pool, and she's like, oh, what happened? And then it, this just takes forever. She's going to get out of the pool. She doesn't get out of the pool. She gets pulled in the pool, and then she's gone. Not a body, not a nothing. Dumb bitch. And you're like, okay, so there's a ghost in the pool. I, that's pretty dumb, but I that's what I thought this was going to be a about. ghost in the shell. But then it's not a ghost in the pool. Actually, there's like a bloated body that shows up at one point. You're like, are we going evil dead here? Dude. And then there's a bunch of bloated bodies. And then there's like a a surrealist square in the sky as somebody gets pulled down into what might be the great. It's all over the fucking place. And my main complaint as a horror fan is the lore is so mistreated here. And it's almost like they didn't really have anything. So they just throw everything at the wall. Yeah. There is a character that shows up. You know, I. So the, the dynamic here is that the dad, everybody's happy. Everybody shows up happy. And you're like, well, how are we going to do a haunted house? Haunted houses are all about destroying the nuclear family, like taking a look inward and letting the cracks break down the foundation. In this one, everybody's fucking, they love each other. This is a happy family. In fact, they're all like two-dimensional characters, except for the dad, who there's a moment where his, his son is playing on the like little league team, and he's not great. You could tell he really wants to live up to what his dad has yeah, established. He ain't got it. He ain't got it. But the coach <clears> of the team, his son, he does got it. Yeah. And uh, he hits it off with the dad. So it's, it's like, what are we doing in this movie? Damn, son and, cook. So then the coach is like, hey, man, Ray, you want to get in here? And they're like, hey, boys, he used to play professional. And he's like, yeah, I haven't swung a bat in a while now. And he gets up there and and he sucks, dude. It's not good. He actually, he swings, he spins around, he falls on Wyatt the ground. Russell? Yeah, this is what we're doing in this movie. Yeah, professional athletes don't do that. No, <laughs> and it was like, what are we, what, where, <laughs> this is a horror movie about I, a pool. I would have walked out. So, Have here's, some respect. For you want to know what B plot's about? Here we go. Uh, the daughter, she shows up. Also, it's a big thing. They're a moving family. So the kids That's are like, it. we get to establish roots now. We can actually live a normal life. But they're not weird or anything. They're actually pretty popular. They make friends immediately. And there's a swim team. And it's a Christian swim team. Oh, now a, I'm bought in. There's a hot, 
black boy on that team and she sees him right away and she's like, I'm joining the swim team. Yeah, of course. And it's like, here we go. Um, so she can teach him how to swim. <laughs> so, so we get a, you know, she sneaks him over one night. They're, they're playing Marco Polo, hot, steamy game of Marco Polo. Oh, this is the, this is, uh, the theatrical trailer. Yeah. Here's the thing. It's one of those, it's almost like a breadcrumb. And you're like, but where are we going? And you start looking around and you're like, wait, these aren't forming a straight path. Polo. It felt like production came in and they didn't like something about the movie. So they just fucking took that puzzle and rearranged it. There are so many things in this movie that don't pay off, that build, that have like just not enough information. There's a pool guy that shows up when they first move in. He's the most interesting character in the movie. He shows up. He's playing the role of Ahab where he's kind of delivering like, hey, be careful. And he's like, you know, y'all got a special pool here. It's spring fed. So the water's actually coming out of a natural reserve. Oh boy. And you know, as a horror fan, I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. We're getting the lore. We don't get much more than that. And he puts his leg up on the diving board and there's like a, and it's a jump scare moment. It's effective, not very earned, but it's like, oh, I like him. Um, Oksana brought up a good point. He felt like the, uh, the ghost hunters in Insidious. Like we play an important role in horror movies, but we're kind of a comic relief. Yes. Except he never comes back. And I'm like, they the best character in the movie. Just kind of a, you know, he just was there to clean the pool, apparently. So I'll go ahead and spoil this for you. Oh, no. um, Randy, close your ears. <laughs> Randy, <laughs> Randy, take your headphones off because you're going to want to see this movie. Um, the pool is an ancient spring mm-hmm. that was vaguely made a reference to as a wishing well well not really somebody was like you know a wishing well and you a like chlorinated flip. wishing well except maybe back in the day except that's not even clear and it, so they do they do the pretty girl ghost mystery where they look there up. it is you brought it back you mentioned <laughs> it and i actually hadn't thought about it until you well i i manifested it. you did in the kitchen and you're right we get on the internet and we look up wait who else died here because <laughs> that's what you always want to google and they're like, oh, a the lot dog. of people, a lot of people died. Oh, and here's the thing. So at the end of the day, the pool, it kills your family to make you healthy. Right? Mm-hmm. So what the pool was doing, it was killing God, off. Is this- that what it takes? <laughs> yeah, it does. So it was killing the family to make the dad at baseball healthy again. Uh, spoiler alert. The end of the movie is he. <laughs> so he gets possessed. This movie, there's a moment where they throw a party and all the kids come over. They have a lot of friends. These these weirdos who just have never been able to put down roots. They're good at making friends. Yeah, because their dad's a third baseman Dude. in the Major League Baseball. Well, nobody cares except for the coach's son, which is a little weird anyway. Um, so they throw a pool party. Things of note, they call one guest. There's a guest there who's like an old Russian dude who looks like he's like, at one point, maybe was a bodybuilder. And they're like, hey. The dad, again, Kurt Russell's son, goes up to the coach's son. He says, hey, how about me and you team up? And we take out steroid Shrek over there. So they get in the pool. He jumps on his shoulders and they do the like, you know, the thing you do with like women on your shoulders where they like fight each other. And they do that. And it takes, it's the most dramatic moment in the movie. We just, they have 18 different cameras covering this shit. And we just linger there. And what ends up happening is, uh, you know, Kurt Russell. Uh, kid he almost drowns the coach's boy he grabs him brings him down it's not clear what's happening until we start to see the black veins in his body because oh. guess what the water is possessing him oh yes 
Now, uh, you might be wondering, oh, so it turns into an exorcist movie and they get the swim team to do an exorcism on him to get no, that. No, spe- no, no. You want to know how they get that ghost out of his body? Uh, a baseball bat. I was about to say baseball. <laughs> <gotta> play <laughs> the daughter beats him with a baseball bat Love and that. then it works. It just works conclusively. It, it leaves his body, but it goes into his boy. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, no. <laughs> so you know what happens? He looks at his family, again, the father, and he goes, they need a sacrifice. So he walks into the pool, never to be seen again. Now, this family that was very happy, like none of this needed to happen. I really believed he didn't even want to go play baseball again. They kind of look at the pool and they go, what should we do? Should we move? I'm like, I don't think dad would have wanted that. And it's like, he just died. And you all are kind of like, it's like... It has like a crane shot where it's pulling back. And it's like, we're here. We made it to the end. But it's like, but you lose. None of this had to happen. And they're like, what should we do? Cut to them filling the pool with concrete. I'm like, that's your solution? You're going to live there, but you're just filling the pool with concrete? They're going to Jumanji it. Also, you start to think about it. And you're like, so the pool's demanding human souls, a lot of them, to, to fix one person. It's a shitty deal. But okay, I get it. Why was it killing everybody's pet? There's at least two pets that died in this movie. And it's like, did they, did that count? Cause you could have just let it had the cat. The cat never came back by the way. Spoiler. Nope. Um, Hell yeah. The boy did get retrieved. The family came back minus the cat. So also there's pretty hurtful insinuations about the role <laughs> a pet plays in the family. We spent a good amount of time. And I know this is why Clark doesn't like going to the movies with us outside talking about the weird intricacies and implications of this movie. Yeah, you nailed it. And uh, Jasadi <laughs> could not get, again, East Bay cinematographer. He was talking about how he's been taking classes on production and just really uh, how films are made. And he's like, do you understand that they had to do a setup for this lady, a neighbor, bringing in a watermelon? <laughs> she brought a watermelon to this party and the camera followed it. And then we had a setup on a diet on, on the fucking a countertop where the mom was cutting it. And it almost looked like she was going to cut her fingers, but she didn't. Oh. And there's no payoff. And I'm like, dude, remember when there was a glass of water that got manipulated by the pool? Cause the pool did this. It knocked the glass of water off the counter and the daughter slipped in it and landed in the glass. Like, so the pool set a booby trap of a glass of tap water. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do you think they were implying that the pool is going to control the watermelon? And everybody agreed, probably. <laughs> That's the kind of movie Night Swim is. Yeah, sounds like a two star. <laughs> <laughs> no, three and a half. Okay. Oh, that, we don't do a five star rating anymore. Oh, three and a half. This is going to be a 10 star out of 12. Okay. I'm joking. Right. I didn't hate it. And I don't think I would rewatch it. So I think I'm at a seven. Oksana? Don't Thanks, do Oksana. I, I agree. I think I'm also at like a seven. Or, mm. <laughs> oh, we'll the, come back. Yeah. All right, what's we'll come back the, next uh, week. Seven works. What's the horror movie we all saw in theaters that I think is a sequel that has a great pool scene? Oh, the Strangers, Pray at Night. Wow, you yeah. pulled that quick. Congratulations, that's a great, that's a great dude. That's a great scene. I wish we had like an applause or something I could give you for that. <laughs> You're right. That was great. And you know what, Randy? I, we did talk about it after. Pool cinematography. There's a lot you can do with lighting. There's a lot you can yeah. do with an underwater camera. And that's what they did in The Strangers. They did. They and nailed it. In this movie, 
there's a couple of uh, shots in here. The craft is on point. The acting, you may, you could probably split hairs there. I mean, Kurt Russell's kid being in it, he's fantastic. good. The f- but this is what can happen when you have production meddling with shit. I just know at the end of the day, it was the dailies that buried this movie. When we'll never know if the pool was going to control Damn. that watermelon. The Andy Dailies. Andy Dailies, they fucked another movie. <laughs> All right. Did we do it? Yeah. No, I'm, we're not, not going to take another lap in the pool? No. Yeah, that's. I'm glad I missed that. That sounds um, terrible. Well, who did he play for? Did they say a team or no? Oh, I don't remember. It may have been college. What? No, that can't work because you wouldn't get paid, right? Well. Not at the time. Now, now you can. Now you do. Yeah, I don't think they went that route, though. All right. Yeah, there was there was an extended scene with their real estate agent, too. Oh, very She was exciting. an old, <laughs> um, uninspired lady. And it kind of set the pace of like... Was it Randy's mom? Oh, my God. <laughs> what? Yeah, in, she's in your old, mom? Yeah, she works in real estate or work. Yeah, boom. Is she uninspired? <laughs> <laughs> and she's, she's pretty good from what I hear. A lot of inspiration. This just in. Here we go. All right, we got to end the show. All right. Uh, tune in Thursday. Got a great little episode for you with uh, Evan Jordan, friend of the show, uh, who's got another podcast because that's what we do on the show. <laughs> you got a podcast. Come on our podcast. We'll talk about your podcast. But I didn't tell him that every podcast that crosses our path is doomed. That's true. The only one hanging on right now, Scary Thoughts, they are still doing work, but it's Infrequent, but uh, it is confirmed. Yeah, they got a couple. I got to catch up on that, and then I'll I'll tune in. We do kill podcasts, though. It is confirmed that we did (laughs) kill Fighter and the Kid. We're like the pool in Night Swim. That's right. We have to kill five podcasts to get a little bit of power. R.I.P. Bapa. (laughs) All right, Randy. uh, Second episode of the new year. Why don't you uh, tell our listeners what they can do with themselves? Yeah, you know, you you can do whatever you want with yourselves, but uh, I highly suggest you check out the, you know, indie website slash distribu- distributor uh, Factory Twenty Five. <laughs> I got a lot of good stuff. Check out Warm Blood. Warm Blood's pretty tight. I didn't give my ratings for Warm Blood. I'd say the film itself that I watched, I would go like eight out of twelve, but the whole package of the Blu-ray, I'd go ten. Whoa, two-star bump because of a little bit of <laughs> elbow grease. Dude, slipcover, they can do that. All right. Yeah, it. it's uh, it's good stuff. So, yeah, check that out and uh, let us know if there's any other, uh, you know, places we can check out uh, cool Blu-rays or uh, underseen films before we see the uh, lookies next week. And that's it. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at the Overlook Theater, Instagram at the Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. 
I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.